this is the first time as a director I've handled such a heavy topic. I didn't realize how hard it would hit me as well. Mm -hmm. Like watching my talent go through it. I could feel it in my chest. My name is West Gibbons and welcome back to the Tungsten Originals podcast. You just heard part of my conversation with filmmaker Kiera Hall, who's in production for her senior thesis film, Dissociation. Dissociation follows the disappearance of Katie Olson and the mysteries surrounding the truth. We discussed the true story that inspired this film, the challenges of filming on location in Colorado, and the pressure that comes with fictionalizing a true story. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy. Episode 53 of the Tungsten Originals podcast. Kira, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. How's it going? It's going good. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have you. We just finished our second week of class. Wow. I know. It feels like we finished a whole quarter in the past two weeks. It really does. Like all the stuff that, is, <laughs> that has happened just in classes and everything. It's been a rough time. I feel like we haven't had a break. Yeah, <laughs> even though we have like one of the longest breaks compared to other colleges, it feels like it didn't happen. <laughs> no. And that's why I sound partly sick. The show must go on. <laughs> we have to do this. Kira, you um, and I are in Senior 2 together, which is the production class for senior thesis films. And your senior is Dissociation, and it's a mystery movie. And I want to dive into that later, since that's the reason you're here. But first, I want to talk about Kira Hall and how she ended up in this hopefully comfortable seat right in front of me. Yeah. Our seat budget is very low here. I can tell. <laughs> so I hope it works. Um, if I know correctly, you were not originally, like originally as in like a freshman, we're not originally film. You were performing arts, right? Yes, that's yeah. true. How did you do performing arts like back in high school and middle school and all that stuff? I really started getting into it my sophomore year of high school. Okay. My mom uh, worked for the TV station in like our local town, the news station there. Oh, okay. Like in what capacity? Um, she was a sales rep there. Okay, gotcha. Um, but she knew a lot of people yeah. working at the station. Right. And she ended up as like a media manager there. Okay. So, yeah, she had a lot of contacts, a lot right. of connections. And one of the people that used to work there was also a director. And he made okay. like little short films. He mm -hmm. spent some time working out in Hollywood. And he was developing a TV series. Mm. And my mom mentioned to him that... Like, I liked acting. I was a performer. Right. And she got me an audition with him. I read the script. I memorized my lines, mm -hmm. all of that. Went in for my audition. At this point, I thought I was just auditioning for, like, a background role, one of the minor characters. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like a speaking extra kind of. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. While I was there, they had uh, one of the other actresses in the show that had mm -hmm. already been cast. They had her come out and read lines with me. I didn't know it at the time, but this is the girl that would end up playing my sister on the show. Oh, so it was like a chemistry read kind of? Yeah. Okay. So they were trying hmm. to see how we work together. Right. And I got a call a few weeks later. I was in the middle of class, <laughs> but I kind of recognized the number. <laughs> so I ran out. I took the call. <laughs> And it was the director. And it was Hollywood. And exactly. That was my big break. <laughs> right. And now I'm a big star. Yeah. <laughs> so he asked me if I wanted to be in a TV series. And I was like, hell yeah. Yeah, seriously. Then he proceeded to tell me that it wasn't just a minor role, that he wanted me to play the lead. Oh, wow. And I freaked out. Yeah, I was literally. I'm sure. <laughs> In the hallway I mean, of my for a high, high school. schooler, yeah, and th yeah. this is so. Is this uh, back in Colorado? Uh huh. Okay, so like, and what I forget, what's the town name? Fruta. So Fruta, okay, I'm from Fruta, Colorado, mm -hmm. and there's a town adjacent to us that's a little bigger. It's called Grand Junction. That's what oh, most right, people know. Right. Okay. 
Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So from like for like a high schooler from a I assume small town in Colorado, that I'm sure that was <laughs> very a very bizarre call. Yeah. You know? It was amazing yeah. and frightening, but yeah. <laughs> so cool. Yeah. And immediately after that I yeah. got to start going into rehearsals and reading mm. lines and developing all this, dyed my hair black. My character was kind of like a punk gothic girl. <laughs> yeah. Which when I tell people they yeah. <laughs> can't picture it. That's, I didn't want to say that. I didn't want to sound rude, but that's what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah. No, it definitely a polar opposite of like right. who I am. And that's a compliment. Yeah. Which was so much fun to play on. Oh, yeah, TV. absolutely. Yeah. And yeah, it was it's called Surviving the Undead. If mm-hmm. you Google me, you can right. find my little page. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was about like the start of the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> oh yeah. So this is that like peak zombie movie. Yeah. Yeah, okay. And gotcha. Yeah. So I got to be this punk rock goth girl that's really going cool. around killing zombies. <laughs> like who doesn't want that mm-hmm. job? And yeah, so that was kind of my big start. Okay. And then after that, I got to work on like a couple more, um, just like short films here and there. Mm -hmm. Um, So was that, was the TV series your first time acting in front of the camera? Yeah. Was that like super intimidating? It was. Yeah. I, the rehearsals, I was kind of more calm. Yeah. But my first. Was it camera rehearsals or just acting rehearsals? Just acting. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So it was just me and like the other talent um, going through lines, Mm -hmm. like working through our character stuff, all of that. And then I showed up and like my first day on set, my first scene is like this huge fight scene with my mother (laughs) in the show. And it's like really emotional. Yeah. And I was so nervous. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I like cringe <laughs> thinking back to it. It was like my first couple takes. Like I knew like I, I wasn't in the right spot. Yeah. Um, but then the director, like, he had all of the camera people, all of the sound people, like everyone leave. And then we sat in the room that was like my little office area yeah. in the show. We just talked for a little bit and then he was like, I just want you to sit here feel out your space he's like talk to yourself like that's whatever you do like wow get into it feel your space yeah um so then he left too and wow. they left me there for it felt what like felt a like long for, time yeah, yeah yeah of course it was probably like a couple minutes <laughs> the ad was probably like just like waiting with her watching watch. the clock. yeah, yeah. yeah like, tick, tick, tick. <laughs> like a good ad would yeah <laughs> yeah um but then they eventually came back in mm. and I was able to get into yeah. it and that really helped like yeah. just being able to like think about it as like my own space right rather yeah. than like in theater like you said you're projecting to an audience yeah. and trying to get everyone to be there mm-hmm. and like listen to you but when it was just me and I'm like I'm the only person I need to talk right. to and that will translate mm-hmm. to the camera so whenever you're working on this like camera or not this is gonna sound stupid camera stuff but like acting in front of the camera um are you like quit not quitting stage acting but are you doing both at the same time or were you focusing on film acting at this time i was only doing the film acting okay gotcha Mm -hmm. and was that just like a time you just didn't have time to do the stage stuff yeah yeah okay being on set it was yeah like after school practices and like shooting all weekend Mm -hmm. so right so whenever you're working on these film sets are you noticing like how much of the peripherals are you taking in like how the director interacts with you as an actor what the dp is doing like since you don't have experience in the film industry at this point is that spark like starting to get lit yeah definitely um that's what made me want to come to film school oh okay being on a set like yeah. I'd never had that experience before mm-hmm. theater is one thing like yeah. you have one big show one night right or like a couple nights yeah and then you're out mm-hmm. but like being on a film set especially every moment's a big show yeah <laughs> you know and like working on a tv show especially 
it's over months that we right. did this. That's true. Yeah. So I really developed a family with these people. Right. Yeah. And like, I'm still friends with all of them yeah. on social media. Like, mm-hmm. they'll check up on me here and there. And that atmosphere and like that group of people all working together was one of the coolest things I'd ever experienced. There's nothing like it. Yeah. It's very unique. It's a very unique experience. Yeah. Yeah. After that, I was like, this this is what I got to do. Right. Like there was nothing else that I'd done up to that point that felt so right. Yeah. 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 Oh, I agree completely. It's like that's that's the the eureka moment. Yeah. Of like this is this is it. Mm -hmm. Like if I do this forever, I'm content. But even still, going to film school, like, was the goal to act just at a film school where there was a lot of, like, productions happening? Um, I originally came here with the intention of, like, being a performing artist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's how I knew film. Yeah, exactly. That was your Um, entryway into that stuff. Yeah. So I hadn't really gotten the chance to, like, work as a director or work in cameras and stuff like that. Um, And... It was just a way for me to get back into that world that I love so much when the way that I knew. Right, right. So then, so you're at SCAD and you're, you know, you're a a freshman performing arts student. When is the, when do you have the secondary Eureka moment of, I love film, but it's this different aspect of film that I want to be in? Yeah. So my first quarter at SCAD was pretty much. Just the freshman the, classes yeah, that like everyone hates. Drawing too and <laughs> yeah. Um Man. But then my next quarter I got to like get into my performing arts classes. Yeah. And they were awesome mm-hmm. too. I had such a great time. Like I love acting still. Yeah. Um but then I think it was the third quarter of my freshman year, I couldn't get into like any of the classes that I wanted, mm. but there was an opening in a film 100 class. Oh, okay. And I had considered being a film minor anyway. Yeah. Um, that's a, that's a common combo. I think I've heard. Yeah. yeah. Just cause like as an actor, like you want to know how like sets are run and yeah. all of that stuff. Um, yeah. so you know how you're affecting yeah. the sets that you're on. Yeah, exactly. So I decided to get into that class mm-hmm. I, my, our, so for our film 100 class, we had three projects that we had to do hmm. and each one was a competition. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Like, with, <laughs> oh, like a, like a regional competition or like with each other? With each other. Oh, okay. Interesting. I, yeah. I haven't heard that like format of film 100 before. Interesting. It was the only quarter that this professor <laughs> taught film 100. <laughs> okay. And then he left. Um, <laughs> nice. But <laughs> I'm so happy that yeah. he was there for that quarter yeah. because every single film that my little group did, we won oh, in wow. like some aspect. Okay. The first one, I kind of tried to be on the camera team. Yeah. Because I did like photography in high school. Right. And I was like, maybe I'll like camera stuff. Yeah. Didn't love it. The second one that we did, I directed it. Um, oh, okay. Because we all just kind of, there was a group of like four of us. Right. And we just kind of shifted positions. Yeah, totally. We came in and we presented the film. There was like three different categories. Mm-hmm. There was like best producer, best director. Oh, so that's the ca- best okay. edit. And then there was a best overall picture. Mm. Is and... that what the competition was for each project? Yeah. Oh, okay. Gotcha. And we like swept the board <laughs> really? with our short film. Wow. And I was like, maybe I'm kind of good at this. <laughs> yeah. And like my professor loved it mm-hmm. and got to talk to us after class. Like he drove me and like my group of filmmakers mm-hmm. back to the dorms so we didn't have to ride the bus just to like talk about our right. little film. Yeah. So then after that, I was like, I really like doing this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all of my friends were film majors. Right. <laughs> so I ended up like being dragged onto sets yeah. to PA stuff. Mm-hmm. I fell in love with it. Like I still liked acting mm-hmm. and I still love doing it. Yeah. But I knew that this was the part of the film world that I wanted to be a part of. Was it scary to realize that 
the part of the film world that you really did want to be a part of was one that you had no knowledge about because you have like years of acting experience. So like that transition is like, you're, it's kind of like you're coming to film school and you're like, I've, I got this. Like you're obviously going to learn of course over like the acting degree, but you know, you're coming in with like a full tool belt, but to transition to acting or to, to like directing and that side of it, you kind of have to start all over. I mean, there's still some things that translate, but so was that like scary at all knowing that you had like, this was the second instance of a brand new world, you know? I was terrified. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like. As uh, anyone would be. Yeah. Like you said, I didn't know anything. Like I'd witnessed a lot of it when I started getting into my classes and we talk about like your grip team and your gaffers and your DP and second AC. Yeah. I could think back to being on sets and being like, oh, so that's what this person was doing. Right. And like that was their job. Mm hmm. And kind of pull a little knowledge from yeah. like when I bugged them and asked them <laughs> questions on set. But like personally, I didn't have any experience in doing that. So I just found a good group of people that was nice and asked as many questions as I possibly could. Mm -hmm. And thankfully, they were a really nice group yeah, of people. Yeah, yeah. And they were willing to teach me and lend a hand. And... Yeah, like my first sets, I was like trying to like grip stuff and mm -hmm. figure out how that worked. Realized I hated that. <laughs> that was not my area at all. My friend Joe brought me on a bunch of his sets as a second AC because um, he knew I knew camera as well. And I realized how much math goes <laughs> into being a camera person. Yeah. And more than people would think. <laughs> yeah. And that wasn't something I was totally crazy about. And so I started looking into film stuff and mm. like, what do people do on set? Right, right. I really just had like a bunch of ideas mm -hmm. and I just wanted to make them. Yeah. And I figured the best way I could do that was by directing. I also, with my background in acting, I didn't want to lose that. Um, right. I wanted to still be involved in some way like mm -hmm. with acting with, yeah and directing was kind of the perfect way to do that yeah absolutely because i still got to work with actors every mm -hmm. day on the set i got to pitch in my knowledge from what i've learned in working with other directors and learn new stuff about like acting techniques as well from mm -hmm. like talking to my talent so right right so how soon after film 100 did you um go into the system and change your degree over <laughs> um i don't think i changed it until like last year <laughs> really yeah oh wow i just started taking <laughs> film classes wow and whenever i logged in to register for classes it was like all these red like marks and stuff like you it's shouldn't like, what are you be doing? taking this right, class right. Are, do you uh, know what your major is yeah yeah um, but I knew what I was supposed to take because everyone I know is a film major. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, it looked like I hadn't accomplished anything. <laughs> you didn't take a single class. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I finally switched it and I was like, mm. whoa, I'm ahead. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I want to talk about Dissociation, which is your senior thesis film. Can you give like a log line with like a little bit of description about what Dissociation is? Yeah. So Dissociation is a true crime drama based on the disappearance of Kiplin Davis. It's about this young girl who goes missing in a small town and immediately police have almost no leads. Mm -hmm. um, there's no evidence, there's no body, there's nothing. But they're able to find through school records and talk amongst the students, three guys that had been with Kiplin the day that she went missing, they're able to bring them in for questioning. And all three guys have totally different accounts of the day that she went missing. One guy denies being with anyone at all. One of the kids says they were all together. Another guy says, well, yeah, I saw these two guys with her, but I didn't have anything to do with it. So very much contrasting stories. Still after this, police weren't able to find any hard evidence because they didn't have solid stories. 
but they had enough probable cause to take this up to a grand jury mm. and at least get these guys convicted with perjury because they could tell clearly none of them were telling the truth. Right. What's interesting about this is that like it's it's a true story uh which is just always adds like an interesting twist to things. But it's the true story that like you have a close connection to. Could you dive into that? Yeah. So this actually happened um this story happened in Spanish Fork, Utah. Mhm. And I grew up in Grand Junction, Colorado. Right. Very close to Utah. Like, if you ask anyone about Grand Junction and where it is in Colorado, they'll tell you it's basically Utah. <laughs> okay. It's right there on the border. Yeah, yeah, okay. I actually listened to a podcast <laughs> when I first heard about this case. Yeah. And I started kind of looking into it because mm -hmm. it just felt super familiar and right. like something I could relate to. And I called my grandma and was telling her about this case. And she actually had recognized the name and like what oh. case it was. Yeah. So what year did the actual case take place? Um, She went missing in 1995. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, it's so like recent, recent. Yeah. 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 And my grandma, because they sent out like reports about this girl yeah, everywhere, yeah. Mm -hmm. especially around that area. Mm -hmm. It was super prevalent. Because for the longest time, it was just missing persons. Right. Um, so she was able to remember it and kind of talk about, like, hearing about this girl going missing. Right. And they're both, like, Grand Junction, Fruta, Spanish Fork. They're all really small mm -hmm. kind of mountain towns. Um, Everyone knows everybody. Exactly. Yeah. Um, which was what was so weird about mm -hmm. this case to the locals is, like, people don't just go missing in small towns it's kind of unheard of and if they do it's usually something bad happens. malicious yeah. yeah 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 i just remember listening to this case and researching into it and the more i read about it the more i could see myself in this girl's shoes oh and because it was like she ditched mm. class one day right with three of her friends to go on a hike like, that's something my friends and I did all the time. <laughs> yeah, I would do like, that all the time if I lived in Colorado. <laughs> exactly. Like, in these small mountain towns, it's what you do on weekends. Like, you yeah. just get people together, you go yeah. on a hike. Yeah. There's not a whole lot else to do. <laughs> that's a pretty good, um, like, backup plan, though. Yeah. Um, Like, she, through research, they found out she was fairly close with these guys. Like, she knew them mm -hmm. well enough. But I've been on trails with people that I barely knew. Right. The similarities yeah. of everything hit Especially so close to home. 1995. I mean, are you 22? Yeah. So we were both born in 90s. No, I lied. Oh, what? I'm 21. 21. Okay. So were you born in 96 or 97 or 98? I mean, 98. 98. Okay. So I was born in 97. You were born in 98. I mean, that's like, I mean, obviously you wouldn't have been close in age, but just still like the fact that the years were so close. Um, and, didn't you tell me that your grandfather was the mayor of the town when she went missing? Of Fruta, Colorado. Oh, oh okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Right. The so, neighboring the neighboring town. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So of yeah. course he got news of it and everything. Uh-huh. Yeah. So yeah. throughout when this case was being processed right. and they were looking for people because it took like a couple years before they actually found the suspects. Um, right. And really started diving into them mm -hmm. as like persons of interest for the case. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, throughout all of that, um, my grandpa was the mayor of Fruta. Yeah. So word about this case and what's going on is reaching all around this right. area. Right. So when you tell your grandparents that you're wanting to make this movie, were they like, I don't know, what what were their opinions on that? They thought it was the coolest thing yeah, ever. Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah. Um, I was thinking it would either be like the coolest thing or like, oh, you shouldn't, it's like spooky, you shouldn't touch that or something, you know? So that's great. <laughs> no, they were super supportive. Like my grandma was talking about it um, because we were there this past winter mm -hmm. um, filming stuff. Right, right. Um, so they really got to be a part of the filming and right. like hearing about the case. Um, and she was talking about how cool it would be if this film brought awareness to mm -hmm. the case more and they were able to uncover something that mm -hmm. they haven't before um, 
just because of different people getting to see it. Right. Um, it's just fallen out of public interest. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just thought that was really cool. Yeah, yeah. You just mentioned a really interesting thing is that you've already shot half of your film because like the way it's structured is like you have half of it being like what takes place on the hike in Colorado and then half is like the interrogation between the detectives and the suspects. So I want to dive into into that because you're kind of in it's like you're in production and post-production kind of, you know. Um, So how was filming? I mean, getting to film in your hometown, as I know, is really amazing. But so, like, what was that process like? It was so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I was very nervous about it. Really? Okay. Um, Just because of, like, people coming to your home and stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Like, we had to transport 13 people, <laughs> yeah. like, across the country. Yeah. Um, That's a very difficult and expensive thing. <laughs> yeah. And... Like living with my grandparents, because we stayed mm. at my grandparents' house. Everyone did. Right. Um, for like a whole week. Yeah. Um, it's a very nerve wracking feeling. <laughs> yeah. Um, and luckily, a lot of the group that I did have with me, we'd worked on films together right. and kind of similar situations. All had to stay in one house, extended hour- hours, all of that. Um, but there are fresh faces on my cast and crew. Yeah. And that was almost more nerve-wracking. Oh, absolutely. Like, knowing how they would fit into this group that right. already knew each other and already had bonds. And yeah. I was, yeah, No, very I totally nervous. get that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's how, I'm, that's how I'm like thinking about blueberries. It's, yeah. It's the same exact thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But it ended up being super great. Mm-hmm. Everyone got along super well. Um. The town was super inviting and cool. like excited to have us there. We got free food from yeah. like so many places. Yeah. Like there was this awesome barbecue place that like made us dinner at we have a thing called the Parade of Lights every year for Christmas. Okay. So a bunch of businesses dress up like their trucks and make big floats and right. yeah, drive yeah. down our main street. Mm-hmm. Um, so we all got to go to that one night. And oh, oh, so it happened while you're all there. That's really cool. Yeah. And one of the businesses like made us food while we were there. Oh, wow. Um, and like a taco truck mm. that's out of season opened up just to make us food wow. while we were there. And man. Yeah. So you were like very warmly. Uh, what's the word? Welcomed, I guess. Welcome back, I guess. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. That's really cool. And the local news station actually came out I to saw. when we were filming. And so they did that on their own volition, or did y'all call them and they came? Um, my producer Joey called okay. and said, like, there's a local filmmaker. Right. Um, she was born and raised here. She's doing a film. If you want more information, contact me. Mm-hmm. And the next day they were like, Can we come out and film you? And we were like, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so Yeah, they came out, they filmed us, they got to interview me and Joey, Mm. um, and they actually did a whole, like, news report on this case as well. Oh, Um, okay. Yeah, the article and everything that they did on Mm -hmm. it was very Mm in-depth and really amazing, because it wasn't just about us filming, but they also got to talk about the case and, like, everything that's happened with it, which is exactly what i wanted right. from yeah, my yeah, film yeah. so it's like during production you're already achieving that goal yeah that's really cool so something that i've been consistently asking everyone is like what 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 do you expect to be like you know really difficult on set and so since you've already been on set i want to ask like what did you expect to be hard and did it did it end up being you know a challenge so <laughs> was there something leading up to filming in colorado that you were like other than, of course, just having, you know, people there and mixing friend groups and stuff like that. Um, but was there something about production that you were, like, really scared about? And then were your fears, like, validated once you were on set? Yeah. Yeah? Um, this case and this story is a very intense mm-hmm. thing. Like, we're covering a sexual assault and a murder. Mm-hmm. I was nervous i was very scared um because like i trust my talent yeah um and i do know them fairly well Mm -hmm. um before casting them in this project but 
I wasn't here for the six oh, months right. leading up to my project. I so, totally forgot about that element of it. Yeah. So I didn't really get to sit and talk to them mm -hmm. about like characters and the story until we were already in Colorado, mm -hmm. um, which was a very nerve wracking yeah. thing. Um, and not that I don't have faith in them, but it's a... No, absolutely. Like not knowing if we're in the same place about yeah. things. Yeah. Um, or... Like if I'm expecting them to do more than they're comfortable doing. Right. And Especially stuff like that. when you're talking about those kind of things. Exactly. Yeah. Um, it's not just a simple character drama. <laughs> yeah. Know? Yeah. Um, it's a very touchy subject. Right. So that was probably my biggest fear. Mm -hmm. But my cast got there mm -hmm. and they nailed it. I sat down with each person individually um, before we even started rehearsals because we had a whole day or like half a day um, before we st went out and rehearsed mm -hmm. um, and like did blocking and all that. So I got to sit down with each person and talk about all of our character stuff and motivations and everything. And I was just blown away. Yeah. Like everything they said was exactly what I wanted. And... We went out there and we rehearsed stuff and they just nailed it. It was phenomenal. What a relief. I, yeah. <laughs> I was so astonished mm -hmm. and I just looked at Joey and I was like, wow. Yeah. They're amazing. Yeah. Like, this is why we cast them. Yeah. Yeah. And mm -hmm. like, it's even more intense because like, it's not like you're meeting up with them and you're filming in Savannah and everyone's in Savannah. It's like there was... We have to do it. It's like we're here or however many hours away that is, you know, via plane ride. It's like we got to do it now. So what a relief that it actually worked out. Um, so was there a moment that you can think of as the hardest moment on set for you as a director? When we started getting into um, there's a big like sexual assault scene we talked about everything beforehand and I made sure to go through everything. Like if at any point you're uncomfortable, we'll stop it. Yeah. Like, let me know. Yeah. We got through that just fine. I thought that would be the hardest part. Hmm. But, um, one of my actors, Jaron, he's like the sensitive guy of the group. Hmm. Um, and like the character. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. We were filming a reaction shot of him. Mm. Um, to like right after um our main character had been killed and just seeing his face he was so in it mm -hmm. it broke my heart yeah. like to watch him yeah like he was phenomenal mm -hmm. but it was it was really difficult right and i'm like to put someone through that yeah yeah and like i'm sitting here thinking about mm -hmm. it and i'm like i'm making them do this like right they're doing this for me and my right. project and i'm gonna tell them to do it again because exactly. of whatever reason yeah um yeah and this is the first time as a director i've handled such a heavy topic mm. um like i've done like horrors and right like that sort of thing. Um, but those are over the top and yeah. stylized and stuff like that. Like you can you can still kind of have fun with it. Right. Yeah. Um, whereas this is a very serious topic and I didn't realize how hard it would hit me as well. Mm -hmm. Like watching my talent go through it um, and like get into that character and that emotion. Um and yeah, like I'm so happy and proud. I feel mm -hmm. like a little like mother of my <laughs> children. Right. But yeah, it was definitely, I could feel it in my chest. Yeah. Watching them. That's how you know that work. That's how you know it's working. Exactly. Like yeah. it's a good thing. <laughs> but yeah. It's a good thing that you feel bad, I guess. Yeah. yeah. It was very exhausting mm -hmm. and I'm so happy that was our last scene of the day. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So, since you've already shot this first half, how does that affect your approach to the second half? 
Like, are you relieved coming into senior two knowing that you're halfway done? I thought I would be. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, there's a butt coming. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but I think it's stressing me out more. Really? Um, I guess because you can't change it. Exactly. Yeah, that, ma that makes sense. That's a good point. Like, I can sit there and give advice on everyone else's scripts, and, like, we sit there and read everything. Right. In our Senior 2 class, we have, like, every day we critique each other's scripts and stuff like that. So, yeah. Now I just think back on stuff, and there's no way to change it. Yeah. Like, even if I wanted to or if people give me good ideas about stuff to do, I'm like, oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thanks for the input. Right. Maybe next time. Yeah. If you want to fund us to go back to Colorado, yeah, exactly. We'll do it. Drop me ten grand or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but when we came to when it came to critiquing your script, I mean, luckily, we were talking about the interrogation stuff that you haven't shot, so it like kind of worked out. Because I was worried too whenever because I sit up like at next to Sadwith, um, Professor Sadwith, as we're reading all this, and I was thinking, I was like, oh, I hope we don't dive into what she's already done because that would be awful yeah that would, I, would, I would just feel so bad because of that reason you know <laughs> i was so scared going into that class and i knew that we were reading my script that day and i was just waiting for someone to tear apart the <laughs> scenes that i'd already shot right and notes kept coming and notes kept coming and then we got to the end of it and no one had done that right and I like whole yeah. weight of the world off my shoulders. Right. Um, yeah. But since that, it's been really nice knowing that I don't have to worry about shooting all that. Mm -hmm. um, like the stuff that I've already shot. Right. Um, because most people that I know have like two, three weekends of filming that yeah. they have to do. Doesn't Seth have three weekends? Yeah. yeah. Seth has three whole weekends that he has to shoot. <laughs> yeah. Um, where I'm going in and we'll get everything out in three days because yeah. half of it's already done. Right. Like now I'm able to sit and look through footage of stuff that yeah. we've already shot. Yeah. Which... You told me that right before this interview. Okay. That's amazing. I'm so glad you waited until today <laughs> to look at it because that's perfect. What are your thoughts? How does it feel? Like are, how, I don't know. That's so cool. For reviewing footage, it's like opening Christmas presents. Like it's so much fun. <laughs> I cried. Yeah. <laughs> I was sitting in a Starbucks crying. <laughs> and I was so worried that someone was going to come over and be like, are you okay? Right. And I just been I'm fantastic. I'm just watching dailies. Everything's <laughs> so great. The world is perfect right, right now. Right. Yeah. I, well, I was amazed. Mm -hmm. And it's been over a month yeah. since we've shot. Mm -hmm. um, Did you so... intentionally take time to look over it? I did. Yeah. Um, I didn't want to look at anything. Like we looked at stuff right after filming a little bit, yeah, just to make sure things totally, are good. Totally. I I wanted to wait and right. like give myself that breath. I really only started looking through it because I'm revising like my interrogation mm -hmm. scenes, so I want to make sure I don't change anything that's going to affect what we've already shot. Right. Um, and. Yeah, I just started looking through it and it felt so good yeah. to be like, I've already done this. Right. And it looks it look, beautiful. Yeah. yeah. And, and the acting's great. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. like, I did that. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So when it comes to fictionalizing a real story, especially one that is like so, you know, close to you geographically and like you said, in age and stuff like that, do you feel like a huge pressure? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've done so much research yeah, I bet. <laughs> on this case. Um, I've got folders upon folders right. of printed out articles that I've read, um, case files, all sorts of stuff, because I really want to try to stay as accurate as I can. Mm -hmm. Um, obviously, it's not possible to be one hundred percent accurate. Right especially here in this case, because we don't totally know yeah, what the exactly. truth is. Yeah. Um, it's kind of making a guesstimate based right. on what people have said. But I really want to make sure that I do this case and the family that had to go through this. Right. I want to do them justice. Yeah, um, absolutely. And 
not just make a show out of mm-hmm. this tragic thing that it. happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I just think it's a really interesting and powerful case. And I would love to bring awareness to it. Mm-hmm. And like missing persons cases in general. Like when I was looking into this, there are 90,000 missing persons cases open at any given moment in the United States. Wow. And that terrifies me. Wow. Yeah. That's insane. And Hmm. if I can do one little thing to bring one more person aware Mm -hmm. of these missing persons cases, then that's something I want to do. And I have the power to do as a filmmaker. Yeah. um, Is to reach Mm. a bunch of people. Mm -hmm. Um, But... Yeah, I really, I have to do it justice. <laughs> yeah, totally. So when you're doing all this research, was there anything that you were like, that you made a conscious decision of, we can't touch that? Since it is so touchy, was there anything that you were like, oh, we're going to exclude that? Maybe not even just for touchiness reasons, but just for like a storytelling, you know, aspect. Or did you just try to keep as much as you wanted? Um, The timeline of stuff happening is definitely different yeah totally um because this case ended up happening over like 23 years <laughs> yeah and unfortunately i can't tell 23 <laughs> years in yeah. like 10 minutes yeah exactly um so it's compressed um mm-hmm. but the aspects of it are all still as accurate as i could be right, right. um one of the hardest things is that there are so many varying accounts of what happened mm-hmm. um, that there are places where I kind of had to decide for myself mm-hmm. what I thought happened. And then for the audience at the same time. Exactly. Yeah. Um, hmm. And like which version of the story I thought was the most accurate um, mm. and which one. I wanted to portray um, right yeah because hmm. there are some accounts that make it seem more as an accident mm-hmm. where others are like a deliberate attack so mm-hmm. it's deciding which one you want to believe and mm-hmm. running with that right so another interesting thing um since you're in this middle ground <laughs> uh, compared to the other films that I've or the other filmmakers I've interviewed is that you've already done a fundraising campaign so uh, everyone or not everyone but like typically in the senior thesis uh, series people are coming on to promote a fundraising campaign which you'll be doing at the end of this episode stay tuned folks <laughs> um, but you had a very successful um, Indiegogo campaign what was that like what did you learn about fundraising from that because it's a very you know, difficult thing. <laughs> so like, what was your experience doing that? I know you and Joey both worked really hard on it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's always weird. Like yeah. asking for money. Yeah. Yeah. Um, especially when you can't give a lot in return. Yeah. Um, mm. but just reaching out to as many people as you can. Um, I think like the, bigger presence you have on social media the better yeah yeah um which i'm lucky because my mom has a huge presence on social media um she has a ton of friends so she was (laughs) able to share stuff for me um but then like in our projects in particular getting your whole cast and crew involved in promoting it is so huge Mm -hmm. um we were very proactive about um throughout our campaign posting like little bios and pictures of our cast and crew. Mm -hmm. Um, And whenever we did that, like that cast member or that crew member could share it and it would also share the link to our campaign. Yeah. Um, So it got all of their families Mm -hmm. and friends involved as well. Totally. And I think that's something that really helped us. Yeah. And I've noticed a lot of SCAD thesis projects doing like a crew member of the week type thing. And it's, I mean, it's, it's perfect because it gets like, you know, a, a PA's mom is like, oh, my kid's working on a movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm going to donate or whatever. And then 
it gets y'all money and makes the PA or whoever, you know, makes them share it. So like it totally, it's like a flawless idea. You know, it works really well. Um, so let's talk about what this second round of funding is going to help you accomplish. Your second round on Indiegogo starts January 23rd. And it's up for just a week, which is a really um, short comparatively for Indiegogo campaigns. You're trying to raise uh, $1,500 this go around. Um, what is that money going towards? We, our first round, we were able to raise all of our money for filming in Colorado, mm -hmm. um, plus some. Um, but we do need funds going into post-production. Um, right. And just finishing off the last half of the movie. Mm -hmm. um, we... Food is a huge expense. Yeah. Um, we have to pay for that. Um, our location spaces. Um, mm -hmm. We're turning a storage unit into an interrogation room. Yeah. Um, so that costs some good money. Yeah. I am very picky about what I want for my <laughs> shots. Right. So I need money for a circle track dolly. Yeah. So that I can get my interrogation room shots that I want. Pitch that shot because when you when you pitched it to me in Kroger, <laughs> it's literally where it was pitched to me. Uh, I fell in love and I thought it was amazing. So a big part of this film is the varying stories yeah. of the three guys. And in order to tell their stories, what I want is your classic interrogation setup. Mm -hmm. You got your officer on one side, your suspect on the other across from a table, and we've got a circle dolly that's wrapped all the way around them. Mm -hmm. So as they're talking and being questioned about what's going on, the camera slowly starts to rotate around them, and you're hearing the first guy's story, and he's telling you, oh, um, I was after at school mm -hmm. all day um after school i stayed here for football practice mm -hmm. there's no way i would have seen katie mm -hmm. um and at that point the camera will pass behind our investigator and we can hide a cut there mm -hmm. so that when it comes out on the other side you're looking at a different kid and you're hearing him say katie rich daniel and i all went up to the canyon after school that day and so it really just intertwines all of their stories mm -hmm. and you can hear them back to back to back mm -hmm. and see just how different what they're saying right. is. And it just seamlessly connects yeah. everything that they're saying. Yeah. It's a part like it's perfect because it's like it's stylized and cool, which like every <laughs> filmmaker wants, you know, um, but it's not stylized and cool just to be stylized and cool. Like, it, it fits the story perfectly. Like, it's an intentional use of that, you know? So, I have to come on set when y'all are doing that. Just because I just, you'll, I'll, I'll grip or whatever. Like, I just want to see that happen because I know it's going to be amazing. Um, so, where did the idea for the, the storage unit as that stage come from? Well, we needed a place that it's big enough. Right. to fit a dolly or dolly track into yeah because it'll be 10 feet diameter exactly which is huge very huge <laughs> um that's like almost as tall as you are yeah exactly uh, <laughs> so we needed a space like that and somewhere that was square would be ideal mm -hmm. um that way it we can center it in the room oh, right. and not yeah. have the walls look weird as right. we're rotating around. It has to be symmetrical. Um, exactly. Mm -hmm. um, so we tried and looked a bunch of places. Um, we looked at different police stations mm. um, because we thought that would be easier. <laughs> right. Um, but there was just nowhere that we would be able to fit this track in and get that effect. Yeah. Um, and that's when... Paige, she's my locations manager, mm -hmm. um, brought up the idea of a storage unit. Mm -hmm. And she went and scouted a few places, and she actually found one that used to be an office building. Oh, yeah. So yeah. the inside of the unit 
looks exactly right. like we needed it to. Yeah. It's got the blank grayish white walls, mm. one big window, and it's perfectly square. Mm -hmm. So it was exactly what we needed. Yeah. Um, we'll just have to sat deck a few things, mm -hmm. um, turn our window into two-way glass, and right. yeah. So is that place in Savannah or is it like in Pooler? It's in Savannah. Oh, wow. That's mm -hmm. even, wow. So you really hit the jackpot on Yeah, that. for sure. That's awesome. And when, uh, when is your second round of shooting? It's the last weekend of January, um, okay. first weekend of February. So gotcha. January 31st through February 2nd. Okay. I will be, oh man, I just, <laughs> we're doing a tech scout instead of Toby for Blueberry, so I'll be out of town. What if I just canceled it? Just like, <laughs> please do. I will. I'll push my shooting days. <laughs> Perfect. So that you can come. Perfect. Um, so you're almost done with production. I mean, that, you know, the end of January is fast approaching. Um, it's two weekends from now. Um, so after that, you know, you'll, of course, go into post-production. And then before we know it, post-production will be done. Um, once you have the movie finished and, you know, we do showcase and graduate and everything, what are your goals for distribution and film festivals and stuff like that? Yeah, um, so there's a bunch of, like, small mountain film festivals, mm. um, like, all around Utah and Colorado. Right. Um, so those are our first target of mm -hmm. where we want to get into. Um, a lot of the places that we've been, um, like Grand Junction and here in Savannah now, um, locals are requesting us to do a showing of it. Oh, um, wow. Especially in like grand junction right. after seeing us on the news mm -hmm. um i've had a bunch of people like reach out to me where can i see this are you going to do a showing anything mm -hmm. like that um so we're trying to set up a screening mm -hmm. um in grand junction at one of the local theaters um so that everyone can see it there and wow. that's a high compliment yeah. of people wanting to show your movie it really is that's i'm very, very cool. excited about it well i have no doubt that it'll sweep all of those festivals um i mean it's i'm just very very excited to to see it and we're going to get to watch some dailies in class right yes we Hell are yeah. that's exciting um that doesn't help any of the people listening to this but that makes me excited um so kira thank you so much for doing this i have been meaning to get you on for a while so i'm, I'm glad we got you at the midpoint because i've been talking to everybody else in pre-production so it's cool to like hear about the production process because in my opinion that's the most fun part of it so that's what i enjoy talking about so thank you for doing this and i would love to have you have you back on once the movie is done and uh you know you're in sundance yes <laughs> so thank you or so much for doing. yeah no i was gonna say i was like you should definitely i mean that's right there like, how close is that it's like an hour and a half Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I grew up skiing Telluride. So. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> mm -hmm. I think I saw, I watched a YouTube video the other day about uh, festivals, and I think like Moonlight premiered there or something. Yeah. Could be Who fun. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for doing this. This was fun. Thank you for having me. Of course.